Okay, so today's daf is daf mem gimel, page forty three in the Hey the Gimel site. Then we pick up on the very bottom line of mem beis amud beis, bottom line of forty two b. All right, let us get going, and we are continuing on with the ex- uh, the uh, proclamation, we'll call it, of the Kohen Hamashuach Muhamma, Right, the the Kohen that was appointed over the battles, what he would tell those who showed up to fight. The different instructions that he gave them. So our Mishnah said, "Va'atem iatem kain v'chulu." The kain mashuach mechama would point out to people that we don't function the way that other other uh, nations function. Klal Yisrael functions differently. Okay, why? Everybody else fights with their weapons and their fear and their noise, but Klal Yisrael fights with their banishayim v'kolkach lama. Why does he got to say this? Why does he got to say this? In other words, the Gemara is asking a very deep question. The Rebbe Shalom is always with us. So you got to tell them the Rebbe Shalom is with them. The Kol what's, what's unique? What's different over here? And for the Gemara, Bepnei Shehashem, Bechol Kinuyav Munachim Ba'arayin, because the name of Hashem went with them, went with them as it was in the Aran. Now what happened was, there were two Arainais. There was the Aran that we're familiar with, the one that stayed in the Kaidish HaKadoshim. And there was an additional Aran that went with them into, uh, into battle. And that Aran housed the, uh, housed the Shem Hashem. And how do we know that the Aran would go with us into the into battle? That's referring to the original Aaron, the real Aaron, but Chatzayt Zedshua, Elo Ashaifris. There was a reason why Pinchas went into battle. Now, it literally says it wasn't for no reason that they didn't go into battle. What? Two negatives make a positive. Right? So it said it wasn't for no reason, which means there was a reason why Pinchas went into battle. You know why? Because Pinchas's battle was. To take care of his maternal grandfather. Okay. Now, how did Pinchas take care of his maternal grandfather? Shenemar, as it says, We were fighting as Midian. Now, when the brothers sold Yosef, they sold him to the Midianim. And then the Midianim, the Yishma'ilim, and then the Midianim ended up selling him all the way down to Mitzrayim. And therefore, within this battle, Pinchas had a, um, you know, he... Uh, he was there to stand up for his mishpacha, to stand up for his maternal Zayda, who was Yosef. Was Yosef? Yosef was sold by the brothers. Now, this is assuming that Pinchas was a maternal grandson of Yosef Atzadik. Where do you find such a thing? We know Pinchas was a Kohen. Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Akayin. But who was Elazar's wife? So if Elazar's wife was Yosef's daughter... So then Pilchus could be a maternal grandson. Otherwise, he can't be a maternal grandson. So let's get into this. Let's explain. Says the Gemara, do you mean to say, to Pinchas mi Yosef that Pinchas came from Yosef, but it says, who did Elazar Akayin marry? A wife from the daughters of Putiel. Who was Putiel? Yisro. Yisro was one of the names, right? We know Yisro had seven names. One of his names was Putiel. My love, Dossi mi Yisro. So you see that Elazar uh, Akayin, Pinchas' father, 
married Yisro's daughter, not Yosef's daughter. Shapita Magoma. Why was he called? Uh, why was he called Putiel? Because he would fatten calves. So Rabbi, this Kachav. So Gemara says, fatten, he used to serve idols. Yeah. Okay. So Gemara says, like me, Yosef. Uh, he came from Yosef. That's what it means. He married the daughters of Putiel. Granted, Yosef, granted, Yisro had that name too. But you know what? Yosef also was called Putiel. Yosef as well. Why? Shepitpeit biyitzray, because he was mefatfeit. Mefatfeit can also mean to to put down, to lessen, to degrade. He he uh, he conquered his yitzhara, and since he conquered his yitzhara, so that's what it means that Allah took a daughter of uh, Benayis Putiel. It's referring to the daughters of Yosef. Okay, says the Gemara of Allah Shvatim Avazan I say, I don't understand something. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. One second. We're saying that Pinchas was a descendant of Yosef and he was not a descendant of Yisro. The Gemara says it's not possible. Because we know explicitly in the Torah, when Pinchas killed Cosby and Zimri, what did the people say to Pinchas? You were not L'Shem Shemayim because your grandfather fattened calves for idols. Who are you? You have in your DNA this idol worship and now you're coming here and being all, and being, uh, all self-righteous? Now, we know this is a mistake. We learned that already yesterday. Right? We, we discussed how people can technically be hypocritical. We're all hypocritical in some way. We could be tzaddikim in, when it comes to certain things. In other ways, we could struggle. Yeah, we're not... Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the eternal, consistent being. Yeah, there's ways... We, we all, we're all going to have our inconsistencies with things. With, with, with things. But the way that they were mevaza pinchas, they put it down like, "Who are you? You're getting all. Uh, you're you're one of the uh, leaders now. You're going to kill one of the princes of Klai. Who are you? Your grandfather serving of a desert, right?" Says Gemara. Don't tell me that he didn't descend from Yisrael. But the shvatim were mevazim after he killed Zimri. They they embarrassed him and they said, ben Puti You see the son of Puti, which is Ben Shapitim This this grandson of the fellow who fattened calves for Avodazari, he's the one who's killing out princes in Yisrael. <laughs> All right. So you see from here, he clearly was the son of Yisrael. They're not going to claim this about Yosef. Yosef didn't fatten any calves for Avodazari. So Gemara says. Ella, rather, it goes like this. Could have been like this. That his maternal grandfather came from Yosef, his maternal grandmother came from Yisrael. That's one option. Or, meaning, it's both true. He was a grandson of Yisrael. He was a grandson of Yosef. Okay? Both on his mother's side. Okay? But the question is, who did his mother's mother come from and who did his mother's father come from? There you go. You mentioned So now we have to identify who these people were. Either one. Whoever they were. You can either say that that they were great-grandparents. Yisrael and Isaac were the great-grandparents. We're calling them descendants. You mentioned Yosef's daughters? Yeah. What do you... He had two sons. Uh, maybe he had daughters too, and maybe those sons had daughters. So what it means by grandson just means a descendant of. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was one generation removed. Okay, so, yeah, it was. Uh-huh. So you're saying from Yosef's children, from Yosef until Eliezer. 
Yeah. Elazar could have been a couple generations at least. Yeah, okay. and that makes sense because we know Elazar makes sense was a couple generations. Know Elazar's father. I mean, was Aaron. Pinchas, right, I'm sorry. Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron. That's it. That's clear. What about his mother? So his mother either came from Yisrael or Yosef. It's a contradiction in the Psukim. So Gemara okay. says could, she could have been from both. Maybe okay. she descended. Yosef's family and Yosef's family were Meshadich with each other. Yeah? And through that Shidduch came uh, Pinchas' mother. So we're, saying may, we're saying maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah. But, but, so it's not a contradiction. But the saying it was. Yeah, the Gemara is saying it certainly was. The question is, we don't know whether his maternal grandfather came from Yosef and grandmother came from Yisrael or whether it was the other way. We don't know who descended from who, but we know he descended from both. Right. We're not saying maybe he descended from both. We're saying he did. How do we know? Because the Pesukim prove it. It says in the Torah that they, they on one hand, they called him the grandson of Yisrael, Ben Puti. Right. On the other hand, he went into battle to fight against the Midianim to avenge them selling his grandfather down to Mitzrayim, Yosef. So they're, they're sell, he's avenging his selling Yosef. Right. On the other hand, he's a right. descendant of Yisrael. Right. So how do, we, how do we put it together? So Yisrael and Yosef were Meshadach. They were Mechutonim. And then they had a, through that Shidduch, a girl came about. That girl married Elazar Akayin, and they had a and they had a daughter and they had a son Pinchas. What was the name of Yosef's wife? Asnas. Okay. Take Anami. You could imply that this is Taka how it works. It says Mi Putiel from the daughters of Putiel, which means Trey Bemashma. Okay, it's referring to Yisrael and Yosef Shmamina. Okay. Uh, from here you learn that Taka Pinchas was a descendant of both Yosef and Yisrael. We just don't know um, whether it was his mother's father or his mother's mother, which one she came from. Okay, period. Here we go. Brand new Mishnah. Let's keep on describing, though, what happened as they were getting to the battlefield. And the Shaitrim, the officers, spoke to the people saying, Whoever built a new house but didn't move in yet should go back home. We don't want, it's, it's improper for him to build a house and then end up dying and somebody else ends up living in that home. Okay? That's, uh, that's, so if you built a new house, you're going home. Fine. You should know. It doesn't need to be a house you live in. It could be that you built a base at Tevin. A base at Tevin is a place where you kept your, uh, it's like a storehouse for grain. Base Abakar, or if you built a, uh, a barn. Base Aitzim, you built uh, a place to keep your wood. Base Aitzaris, a place to keep your, your Aitzer, your storehouse. You should know it's whether you built it with your hands, whether you bought it, whether you got it as a gift. It's brand new. You haven't yet made use of it. You're going to go back home. We're going to send you back home. We're going to see why, by the way. Brand new to you. Good. It's a good way to put it. Right? Meaning it doesn't have to be that, it was, that it's brand new to the world. Then it would be you just built it. It could be that you purchased it from somebody, which means it's not technically new to the world, but it's new to you. Very good. And also if a person planted a vineyard and has not yet uh, been mechalit, also should uh, not go back. We'll see how this uh, pans out. Now the first few years, first three years of a vineyard, you're not allowed to eat the fruit. 
Okay, so only by the fourth year could he start making use of it. So it means, and if it's in the first three years of of growth, and you haven't yet redeemed the fruit of the fourth year, so if your vineyard is in this stage, you're not going to be allowed to go into battle. And we're going to see why. Like, what does this? Make, why does this make you any worse of a soldier than anybody else? So Gemara is going to get into this. This is whether you plant it, whether you plant five trees, not specifically a, a new vineyard, but you planted five trees, even if it's from the Chamesha Samina, meaning it doesn't literally need to be grapes, it could be grain. Um, is that right? No, it could even, what it's saying is, it could even be five different species. It doesn't need to be. Um, it doesn't need to be a specific species. But it has to be of the five species. No, no. doesn't need to be, you mean like the five grains? No. There's five, there's, there's Shiva Saminim that Ertzol is special to. There's something called five grains. Yeah. Right? Wheat, barley, rice, spelt, and, and no. This is just saying, if you planted five trees, and one's an apple tree, one's an orange tree, one's uh, you know, one's a grapefruit, one's whatever. So also, you go back home. And if, even if you have five separate different species of trees, but you planted five trees, you're going to go back. Again, so echad anayte kerem, whether you planted a vineyard, and a vineyard's all the same type. Different type. Even if it's five different species. Whether you were planting trees, whether you were mavlich or markiv, whether you're grafting trees and planting it that way, you, you're basically refurbishing your vineyard, you received it as a gift, you received it as an inheritance, in all these situations, it's new to you, you're going to be potter from going out to battle. And we also said that any person who was ma'ares a woman, now what is ma'ares a woman? So we know that there are, even today, we do it differently today, but there's two stages of marriage. Okay, nowadays they pretty much happen simultaneously, and it's called Arison and Nasuan. Arison is the acquisition of marriage. Okay, the acquisition of marriage. The Nasuan is the act of living together. What does that mean? So when a man puts a ring on his wife's finger and he says, You're betrothed to me with this ring, he's now acquired her rights to marriage. That's called Arison. Nisuin is that they live in the house together. So that's why we have a chuppah. So since there's a chuppah, which is owned by the chassan, the chassan's supposed to own the chuppah, the erisin and Nisuin are happening at the same time, which is why there's a custom, but if you ever notice that next chasna you go to, if it's done with the minhagim that we're referring to, the custom is that they, there's a joke. Why does the chassan walk down first? To teach him to wait. Yeah? She's coming. You just wait. All right, that's the joke. But why does the chassan go down first? He stands under his chuppah. Then she comes to his chuppah. The minog is, the chassan should take a few steps forward as the kala comes to him and then receive her into the chuppah because you're kind of welcoming her into your house. That's what the, that's what the chuppah is. Now, a greater way to complete nesuin is in the yichud room. Right when they're meyachet together, so then they're secluding themselves in the yichud room. But this is either the chuppah or the yichud or together. This is what's creating the nesuin. Back then, the eris and nesuin happened at different stages, as we learned in the previous mesechtas. It was a minimum of twelve months, or if there was a longer understanding, it was a longer understanding as well. But after twelve months, 
there was a chiyuv to move in. Lamay nafkamina, what's halachic difference that there's a chiyuv to move in? A husband is going to start having to support his wife financially if he doesn't do nesuin after 12 months. Bezdin is going to force him to support her now. Okay, During the 12 months, she's still living in her parents' home. Right? She's spending their credit card and whatever she's doing. Once 12 months are up, if the husband doesn't bring her in, it's still the expenses, expenses are all on him. Unless there was a previously agreed upon uh, different date in that way. So the Gemara here says, the Mishnah here is saying that if a guy goes to the battlefield and he put a ring on his wife's finger and he's during the 12 months and he hasn't moved in yet, the Kayin HaMashuach Mochama, the one who's appointed over the battle, is going to say to him, whoever did Arison on a woman and didn't yet live together with her, get out of here. You got to go home, right? You didn't, you, made, you, you built a house, you own a house, you didn't make use of it, you, you haven't brought it to its completion, same thing with a field, same thing with a wife. All these things, you're not allowed, you, you're, you're going to be exempt from battle, you're going to go, uh, go back home. Yeah. You're saying there's this thing. basula. This applies whether you have irisin on a basula. Or whether you did Arison on a previously married woman, even if she was a Shemeris Yom, and even if somebody hears that um, his brother died in battle, he, he uh, goes back, and he comes to his house. He's going to be Potter. Um, because there's a uh, there's a woman waiting for him. Okay, there's a Yavama who's waiting for him. Call Elu Elu. All these situations, they listen to the words of the Kayan about about uh, the laws of battle and the realities of battle, and then the Chayzer. Afterwards is when they leave. They only leave afterwards. Okay. Um. Which means you can't just not go. They show up. They show up to, to uh, go into battle. And they go out to the battlefield where the war is going to start. And then the Kayan sends them home. They go back. But you can't just stay home because I know this is very interesting. You'd be like, why'd you go? Right? I know I'm Potter. No. You go out. And if the Kayan says you can leave, you leave. But you show up. You show up uh, uh, ready for battle. And you know what you do? Why, why are you going out there? I'll tell you. You're going to be the water boy. You'll be the water boy. You're not going to be in the age. You're not going to put yourself... right. But you're going to make sure that everybody else has what they need as you send them out into battle. Okay? You're kind of sitting in the Pentagon. You're not really in danger. But you're making sure that the troops, uh, the, the troops have what they need. And they'll make sure that the roads are, are fit. So they're not going back home. We'll see. So we'll see when and if they go back home. Okay? But right now it means what they're going to do is... Um, okay, so the... Pashup is like this. We need you to go out because there's other jobs to do even though you know you're not going to fight. The mission here is explaining what jobs are you going to do even though you don't need to fight. The jobs that don't put you in danger. And until the Kayan sends you home, these are your jobs. They will eventually go home. They will. But for now, you got to be there. Right? If you're, in, you're on the team. So you show up. You have an injured player. But he's going to not go near there at all. You stay with your team. 
You give them a moral support. You make sure they have what they need. You give them tips. You give them advice. You're watching from the bench. You're there. So until the client sends you home, this is what you're going to be doing. Okay. The Elu Let me tell you who does not ultimately go back home. Okay, who doesn't? Habayna beisharach sadru marpesas. A guy built a new porch. He put up a pergola. What? A pergola in his backyard. That's what it's called. Yeah, like a wooden structure. Guys, like guys, a, a guys a gazebo? wimp. A gazebo type of thing. Guys, a wimp. He's scared. He's like, you know what? Let me quickly build a little porch, and then uh, I go back home. Yeah. A person who plants four trees. Or five trees that are sruk, that are there for wood, it's not there for fruit. Which means if you planted trees, but they're not trees that give fruit. They're not fruit trees. You planted trees for other reasons. You sell schach. Okay? Also, you're not going to be exempt in battle. And a person who takes back his gerusha. Now, this is forbidden. If a person divorces a woman and then she marries another man and gets divorced from the second man, the first man is not allowed to remarry her. So we're le- what we're saying is that um, anybody who's involved in a forbidden marriage, even though it's a valid marriage, but it's forbidden, you're not going to uh, go back home. You have a widow to a kind gadol. Yeah, this doesn't say that a groshah just to remarry her. Right, uh, Mary's back is... Uh, the, the expression of Amach Sir Grusha, so that's he, Yeah, that's what it implies. Oh, really? That's right, yeah. That. Yeah, but so here, here it could be both. Here it could be both. I mean, the truth would be, even if it's a woman who didn't remarry, you're right. Let's say it would be... Huh? Let's say it would be the same woman who didn't get married, where it's mother, the same thing would apply. He's not going to go home. Okay, so this... Either way. But Amach Sir in general... You should know whenever you find this phrase, generally is going to be referring to what you're not supposed to. Yeah. Okay. In all these places, you did not go back. Now, what's fascinating, we just had this in last week's Parsha, in Parsha's MR, right? The halachas of a Kayim marrying a divorcee, that we paskin, not like Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Kiva holds that anytime you have a negative transgression, the marriage is not valid. Okay? There's no such thing. Right? People nowadays, they have all these other lifestyles. Say marriage. It's not marriage. If two men stand under a chuppah, you could officiate from today till tomorrow. It's not called marriage. Marriage is kiyikach ish isha. When a man takes a woman. It's not a marriage. If somebody puts a ring on a married woman's finger... You are not married. Nothing happened. You gave her a gift of a golden ring. That's all you did. You're not married. It's not valid. What's interesting is that there are some relationships that are forbidden but valid. Rebbe Kiva holds it's not. We don't pass like Rebbe Kiva. Rebbe Kiva holds it's a law. If it's not valid, we pass and it is valid. And therefore, if a Kayan marries a divorcee, they're married. They're obligated to get divorced. He's not going to pay her a ksuba. But it is a valid marriage. It's a love as long as there's no chiyuv kares. Huh? As long as no chiyuv kares and it's a love, we paskin that it's going to be the marriage. It is considered a marriage. Exactly. So a mamzer as soon as seen Yisrael or a basrol in Asin mamzer. All these people, even though it's a valid marriage, Now the reason why I'm pointing this out is because in all the other cases, 
certainly you're not going to go back because you're not married. Yeah, okay. So this mission is not like Rabbi Kiva. Correct. This mission cannot be found in Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi says, If a person builds a house on its, where it was originally, you're rebuilding a house, so he, he doesn't go back. Okay. He's not going to go home. It's not considered a new house. So on the same property, you rebuild a, a, a house again. He says that's not considered new. No, I'm sorry. He says even if you build a, a house of bricks in the Sharon, he also is not going, uh, he's not going to uh, go back home. Okay. So Rashi says that it's not a strong house. It's kind of like the, the three little pigs. Right. Don't we say that in the Tzvila? Right. It could be knocked down easily. Yeah. The Tzvila shouldn't be answered. Right. Yeah, very good. Because of the uh, the um, bricks there were they would fall down. Right. right. It was it was everything there was temporary. So Rabbi Eliezer says if if you build a house that's temporary, you're not going back. Which practically speaking would have implications for somebody who's building a structure. Let's say you're building a sukkah. Right? Like oh, that's my house. That's if it's considered temporary. Says Rabbi Eliezer, no, you're not going to go back home. Elu zazimim kaimam. Now, the following people, the following situations do not even need to go to the battlefield. The following people don't even need to go. Until now, these people need to go and then they go back home. Who doesn't go? They don't move. If you built the house, but... You were already mechanechit. Now, what does it mean you were already mechanechit? You've lived in it. However, you didn't live in it for long enough that you've been there for a year. So you live in the house. If you didn't live in it at all, you show up and then we'll send you back home eventually. If you already lived there, but you just haven't lived there for a full year, you don't even go out. Not karem Or you have the fourth year. And you didn't yet uh, uh, get to uh, eat the fruits for a year. If a person does Nesuin and is still in the first year of Nesuin, what we call Shana Rishayna. And also a person who did Yibum and is still in the first year. So it's like Shana Rishayna. Nowadays in the yeshiva world, Shana Rishayna, you don't go to Night Seder. Right? You don't go to Night Seder. That's like the, that's yeah, how it works. Um, so uh, here, you're in Shana Rishayna, you're not going out to the field. You're not going out to battle. Okay. Shanemar, as it says, Naki Achas. He kind of has like a go-free pass from his house for one year, meaning there's a Chiyav, Zok, the Mishnah. What does it mean? Lebeisai, Zebeisai. His house, literally a house. Yihia, Zekarmai, his vineyard. Besim Achas Ishtai, for a year, Yishbi Mesameach, your wife, Zu Ishtai. Asher lokach lohavi yesivimtai that he has taken, which means to exclude his yivama ein maspikin lahem mayim umazim, and um, uh, these types of uh, people in these situations, they are not mechuyev uh, to give over the food and the water. Meaning they stay home. What do we mean by by they stay home? They literally stay home. They don't even need to come out. So this is very very interesting. Just just notice. See, people don't focus on this. There's a lot in this Mishnah. We'll start the Gemara. But people say, oh, we think when we don't read the Psukim, Klai Yisrael went into battle between the, from the age of 20 and above, right? They went into battle. 
If you are there, you're potter. The Mishnah is told, there's three categories. There were a lot of people who went to battle. Some people didn't have to go. They're exempt from the draft. Other people are mechuyev in draft. But you only have to stay for the beginning preparatory parts to be there for the, uh, you know, the psych and to pump up the other troops. But you built the house and you didn't move in yet. We're going to have, we're going to eventually send you home. But you better make sure they have, their canteens are full and they have what they need and the bridges are ready and the train tracks are ready, right? You're sure. And then afterwards you can go home. And then there are people, the Mamish went out to battle. So Klai Yisrael, they were like, there was like for the army, there were people uh, taking care of, of uh, uh, multiple, you know, uh, multiple aspects of it. Okay, here we go. Tan Rabbanon, the rabbis learn, so should we, the officers speak to the people, I would think that they're allowed to use, they're allowed to say whatever they want, meaning use their own words of, of, um, of halacha, or not halacha, their own words, however, whatever they, however they want to articulate what they want to say. So why does it say that the Shaitrim are speaking these words? What does that mean? What it means is it's saying that they need to speak the same words as the Mekayim Meshuach Bahama. So make up your mind. We have a contradiction. On one hand, they're speaking their own words. On the other hand, they're speaking the words of the Meshuach Bahama. Okay, so how does this pan out? The Kayim would speak and the Shaitrim, the officers who were assisting the Kohen who, who, who oversaw the battle, they were the megaphones. Okay? So they were using words, but they were using the specific words that the Kayan HaMashuach Muhammad would use. So he would say, all right, time for anybody who uh, inaugurated a field. You know, not everybody could hear him. So they would be spread out, the officers, and they would say, the Kohen said that any, right? So they, they were saying over his words, but it was from their mouth. Tani Chada, one Brisa says, Kayim Adabar B'Shayim Mashmiya, the Kayim would speak and the Shaitan would listen. The Tani Idar Chada Brisa says, Kayim Adabar B'Kayim Mashmiya, the Kayim would speak and the Kayim would hear. But Tani Idar Shaitan Adabar B'Shayim Mashmiya, what's going on? I'm Rabbi Haketzad, three different prices, three different ways to, to that are contradictions. What's happening here? So Rabbi says, Mi Venigash Vaad Vedibru from Venigash, which is that the Kayim comes close to the people. And then the Dibru that they spoke to the people, Kayim Adabar Vakayim Ashmiya. Until then, the Kayim would speak, and then the Kayim would be the one to, um, uh, another Kayim would speak out those words. However, Mi Vidibru Vaad Vyasvu, Kayim Adabar Vashaitim Ashmiya, Mi Vyasvu Vailach, from Vyasvu, from adding on, and after those, in the, after that, I'm so Shaitim Adabar Vashaitim he didn't have to use the words of the Kayim, he was able to just give out the general uh, rules. Of the um, of going into battle. Okay, so all three were just dealing with. The, it's not a contradiction. They're dealing with three different stages of battle preparation. Givaldik. Okay, so we said in the Mishnah that they would say, "Who built a new house?" Tan Rabbanon. The rabbis learned that's why they're rabbis. Asher bono in the ella. Asher bono. I would think it's got to be brand new, right? I gotta think it's gotta be brand new. Mama's what we're saying. How do you know? I mean, uh, Lokach, the Yarash, 
If let's say I bought it or I inherited it, I got it as a gift. Me and I know also I can go back. Bias. Okay. Now, what does it mean? Asher bana. So, what it says, who, who, the man who built, which means Asher bana. Before by Asher bana means a house that's built. It can also be read not that a house was built for you, but it means anybody who has a house that's built. Okay. So which means, even if it's not fresh, brand new, right out of the uh, oven. Okay? Sasha Bona. Anybody who, to you it's new, because we say, eventually we say Chodosh, right? But Asher Bona means, even if it's previously built, if it's Chodosh to you, that's fine too. You get it? No. Mia Ish Asher Bona. The word Bona is past. It's oh, past, past tense. tense. Okay. No. Any time. But it says Asher Bona Bayis Chodosh. So as long as it's a Bayis Chodosh for you, even if it's previously built, you're fine. Because well, past tense. I've been in my house for years. You're fine. You're fine. But let's say you were to sell your house to me. But you can give it to me. That is a Bayis Chodosh for me, even though to you, you've been in it for years. How else would you say it? I mean, like. Because it's brand new to me. It's for us. It's a brand new house. So, so we the, say it all the time. Someone moves to town, they bought a new house. Yeah, they got a new house. It's been there sixty years, but for them, it's a new house. Oh, what's old to you is new to me. What's old to me is new to you. But if you're tired, of your that's house, it. You that's what we're saying. Okay. But this is the, it doesn't. I don't know, right? You put this by like. So right now we know from the word bana, even if it's previously built, we're good. Bias. It says bias. In the Alabayas, Minayin Larabay is based on Tevin, based on Bakar, based on Eitzim, based on which is an edifice, but I don't literally live in like a house. Tamar Laimar Asherbana, Mikol Makam, any type of house, even if it's not for human living, is okay for a, for a person to go back. Okay? Bana Mikol Makam. Yochol, I might think shani marba afa bina beishar achsadjer ma pesas. What about if I just want to build something small? Tamud leimar bias ma bias aroy ladira afkol aroy ladira. It has to be something, even if I'm not actually living in it, it has to be something that's fit to be living in. Okay, so we have asher bana, and then what is bias? Bias means fit for that it could technically be used for a house. Avlaz minakav leimar bias kimashmoi. Bias means kimashmoi, the, the way that it sounds, okay? What does it mean, the way that it sounds? It means that you uh, need to actually build it, okay? You, you have to actually build it. So he's arguing on what we said, that it could be uh, something that's uh, previously built. prat <laughs> He has not yet been mechanech the house, and he has not... Uh, he has not uh, Inaugurated it. You know what this means? This excludes a gazlam. Yeah, somebody steals a house, so you're not getting sent home from battle. <laughs> I was waiting for this. This is fascinating. Yeah, because the whole purpose of all of this is to give people who do a virus an excuse. Yeah, not to go to battle because they're afraid they're going to die because of their virus. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about here. I'll just say, just say, there's a lot to talk about. Let's just notice the psychology. 
tzaddikim are the ones who are fighting the war. Just notice the psychology. I, I don't know. I'll tell you. It, it's what we're going back to the beginning of this year. The hypocrisy that we have. Let me ask you a question. There's a guy who's stealing homes. Think he cares what the guy has to say? <laughs> no. Right. That's what you think. It seems, yeah. It seems, yeah. Like, no, if the guy says I stay, I'm staying. I listen to the rabbi. Ah, <laughs> you steal homes? All right, I steal homes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's wild, right? It's wild. Like, you know, he's like, I want to go home now. You got to stay. Well, I'm going home anyway. All right, what are you going to do? Stop him. Like, you know, go AWOL. Like, yeah. How do you steal a home? Huh? Good question. So, yeah, you could, you could, uh, um, you can kick people out. You kick people out, but that's, but, but, no, but that's, there's a whole lump to Shazach, whether it's possible, because Karka in an Exelis. Really, something that's real estate, it's, you can't really steal because you can't make an actual kidney on it. But there's ways. But, but there's ways to do it, and there's, there's a lot of tire on this, which, by the way, a fascinating idea within stealing is the fact that it's yours. That's, this, is what's, this is also a big. We're going to get there, Mertesham. Let me get into Nazigan. When you steal something, it becomes yours. I'll prove it to you. If it's not yours, you never stole it. You stole. What does what does stealing mean? Stealing means that I, it's now I took it. If it never became mine, what is it? It's still his. It's just far away from him. Unless stealing is that I never made it mine. It's just moving something from somebody's property, but it doesn't seem so. Something called the Kenyan Geneva or a Kenyan Gazela. It's very interesting that it becomes yours. There's a lot of tire on this, but it, th- there are ways to be able to steal a property. You kick somebody out. You can't sit in a sukkah nixelis. You can't sit in a sukkah that's stolen. You slap somebody out of their sukkah. You say, "I'm sitting here." Well, you can technically just pick up the sukkah and move it. Okay, but you, but it could even be somebody who's sitting in a sukkah. You kick them out. Well, it should be. Yeah. They did what? They stole the sukkah. Sorry. Who stole the sukkah? No. Ah. It's a kosher th- movie to watch with the rabbits in one sukkah. Oh, it's a movie. I thought about a spizen on sukkahs. No, no, no. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. About Breslover. I, I was thinking about a spizen on sukkahs. I think a spizen and counting spheres Eimer. Are the most forgetful thing. I think the two, the two times in a Jew's year where like, you can't remember where you're up to. <laughs> right? It's like, I don't know, what's today? What was yesterday? What did I say yesterday? What's tomorrow? What's going to be... You Unless know, you have a sphere app. Unless you have a sphere app, yeah. The, 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 uh, my brother sent me last year a, a little quip in Yiddish. Chassidish guy. He writes, he writes in Yiddish. He says, I, I davened in a shul in Borough Park. They came up with a good idea. The chazan during Mariv reminds people to count sphere. He doesn't even use WhatsApp. <laughs> It's like, oh, now it's like, now, yeah. <laughs> that's how you get remembered. It's like, it's like a chiddush you remember in shul, you know? All right, let's go weiter. He says, is referring to somebody who's misyari, me'averis. He's afraid of his averis, you know, when you go home, if you're afraid that you don't have enough schosim, so, um, which one is it? Yeah, I don't understand. This guy who stole the house, he's not allowed to leave battle because it excludes the Gazlan. The problem is, if, you, if, you're, if you're in Russia, we tell you to go home anyway. If you're losing Schosen, we do tell you to go home. 
So you tell me, well, what's this guy supposed to do? On one hand, he's mechayiv to stay, he's not allowed to leave. On the other hand, he's a sinner, so he's got to leave. Right? Yeah. What happened was, he stole the house, and he, um, he uh, paid for it. So he's, not, he's no longer considered a balavera. But he's still a Ganav. Says the Gemara, no, he's not. He just paid for it. <laughs> he just gave them, gave it back. Since it originally came to his hand, even here, so what happened was, he's still living in that house. Oh, I see. He just paid for it. And therefore, he's still under this category. Right? So it's not a force. It's not a force. What happened is I kicked him out. And then uh, five years later, I become Balchuva. The guy says, okay, just give me the money. No, but then there's no, if it's five oh, right, it has to be, can't be five years later. It has to be five months later. You're right. It can't be more than a year. In a Hanami, you're right. Okay, here we go. We've got uh, five minutes to Minchas. Let's uh, cover some ground. <laughs> Who's a man who planted a Karim? I know he needs to be the one to plant it. How do I know even if he bought it, got it as an inheritance or as a gift? How do I know also he, that he... he uh, that he uh, leaves Talmud Leimar Amiya Isha Shernota Kerem that was previously done. Same thing as Baina Kerem. What about a vineyard? Even the Kerem. Minayin the Rabbis Chamishi Lani Michael Vafilu Mishar Minim. Even if it's five different species that are all different, Talmud Leimar Shernota Yochel. As long as it's planted, yeah, doesn't need to be uh, specifically a, a vineyard. Yochel Shimar Ba Anaitei Arboi Lani Michael VeChamishi Lani Sarak Talmud Leimar Kerem has to be a vineyard, and therefore, if something does is not a fruit bearing tree, you're planting a cedar tree, you're planting an oak tree, you're planting a uh, whatever type of tree you want for schach or for lumber. You're not going to leave. For Blazerak of says, Karen ke mashmai. That no, it literally has to be a vineyard, and if it's not a vineyard, the guy doesn't go anywhere. It's coming to exclude somebody who's grafting trees and uh, adding to trees, adding branches, but it's not, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you only go if you're planting fresh. But if you're not planting fresh, you're actually not going to leave. I but but we learned that you do leave. Which one is it? There's no question. There's certain types of grafting that are allowed, certain types of grafting that are not allowed. When do we allow, uh, when are, is it permitted to graft various trees? If we're talking about where it's very young trees, which means it's within the first three years of the growth, typically, so the reason why he's going back is not because he grafted trees. You know why he's going back? Because anybody who plants any fruit trees in the first three years is going back. If you can tell me that he's grafting a younger tree with an older tree, so older trees are already beyond the age of going home, and even over here, we're going to say, that uh, he's going he's gonna to go back because he grafted it to a new tree. Vamar Rebbe says, If you have a, a young tree grafted to an older tree, but the older tree is mevatal, the younger tree. It's a beautiful message over here. Yeah, we know this in life. You have a younger person, you have an older person. The younger person is mevatal to the older person. Somebody's got more life experience. They know what you're talking about. You zip it, let them talk. Right? They'll show you the way. So if you have a young tree and an old tree, the old tree is the one that's going to, that's uh, appropriate to, uh, to uh, um, be, be the leader. And since they're the leader, you would not leave the battlefield because you grafted an old tree. And therefore, 
there is no, uh, uh, there's no dinarlis. The Gemara says, I'm Rabbi Yirmi, Rabbi Yirmi answers, the case has to be where we're dealing with two young trees. Ah, uh, if it's a young tree, you're going to leave anyway. It's in the first three years, you're going to leave anyway, just the fact that you planted a young tree. And we're dealing with a case where he initially um, planted his tree for the purpose of something other than fruit. For example, siyag, to establish boundaries to his field, ulakairais, or for beams. What are we what are we talking about? The time we learned in the Mishnah, even if it's a fruit tree. But I'm not so let's say I'm planting a fruit tree on the edge of my yard, the edge of my fear, edge of my field. It's a fruit tree, it's an apple tree, but I'm not doing it for the apples. I'm doing it for the purpose of establishing my borders. It's going to be putter in Arla, since it's putter from Arla, the person is not going to uh, he's not going to go back. Ah, if I then take the tree and I graft it with another young tree for the purpose of fruit, oh, that's going to help you go back. Okay, so the original tree is not going to go back to the purpose of boundaries. But now your mind shifted on it. You're going to be putter from battle. Why is it that when you have a young tree and an old tree, the young tree is battle? Why is it that by two young trees... We don't say that the second tree that's being grafted, why don't we say it's bottled to the first tree and it also is there, call it a border tree, it's not a fruit-bearing tree and you shouldn't be able to leave. So Gemara says, Hasam, when you have already a mature tree, if, if you graft a young tree to an old tree, there's nothing that can go back to its original state. There's no way to make it Arla. The older tree takes precedent, no matter what. So you have an older tree, you're using that to graft a younger tree. And now you're like, you know what? Nah, I changed my mind on what I want to do. Okay? So then you, you can't reverse. You can't go back. And if two young trees, you could go back and it can be mechuyiv in Arla. Okay, so what happens is like this. I have my initial tree as a fence. Border my yard. I graft it to a second tree. And the intention was that my first tree should be just a fence. And I'm in. But then I change my mind on what I want to do. So then you could do that. You could do that. You could change your mind. And now it turns into a fruit-bearing tree and be put there from battle. You're going to go back from battle because the tree will now be Chayav and Arla. The first few years are Arla. Then it becomes Nataravai. Okay? An old tree will become Arla? No. An old tree can never become. It is, it, it, yeah. An older tree is considered the main thing. Yeah. It's already past the stage of Arla. Yeah, so it can you, never happen. So what are you saying? If you have... So when you have an old tree and you graft it to a younger tree, you cannot reverse. You can't go back and say, oh, I want to change my mind as to what the intention of the younger tree is. Whatever the older tree is, the younger tree becomes. The younger tree is part of the older tree, that's it. If you have two young trees, so I have my initial young tree, that's how grafting works. You have your initial one, then you're going to connect it to a second one and grow a second one uh, from it. So if my initial tree was meant to be a, a border tree... It wouldn't be Mechoyev in Arla. And now that I, I go back... Not, I would not be Mechoyev because... Because it's, it, it's, it's even though it grows fruit, I established it as my fence. I'm not here for the fruit, I'm here for my fence. But if you end up changing your mind on what you want to do with it, then it would be Mechoyev, it would be obligated in, in Arla. Okay, because Lamaisa it's a fruit tree and it goes back to its original, uh, to what it, it originally was meant to be. And it's like what we learned by regular trees. 
Yeah, let's say you had no specific intention to travel into the Mishnah. If let's say you have regular fruit trees that grow on their own, there's gonna in, in your field, there's going to be a chiyov in Arlov. Look what Bakaram Shoshne Shotvin says why don't we deal with the case where we deal, where the where the vineyard had two had partners. Maybe we're dealing with um, uh, you have two owners of a property, they're both going out to battle. And the owner of uh, one owner says, I'm going back to the tree that's on my part. Those are going to go back to the trees that are, are on his part. Now, what does it mean? Let's say Reuven and Shimon. Reuven owns 50% of the field, Shimon owns 50% of the field. On the 50% of the field is the initial tree that we're using, the fruit tree that we're using to graft. And then the other side of the field, right across the border, is the younger tree that's being grafted, uh, that's being grafted uh, from it. So the second guy is going to be Shimon is going to be returning from the battlefield only for the grafting itself so now you have a case where the question was I where's the case where you're going back for grafting and not for initial planting of the three years I'll tell you what the case is where you have partners and the second guy only owns the grafting why don't we give this as the case Amar Papa Zotomeret is coming to teach me Kerem Shoshnei Shutzen in Chayzenolav Miyarchem Acham it must be that when you have partners guess what you ain't going back. You're not going back. One field does not get two men sent back from battle. Why is it that we have five brothers and one of them dies? The halacha is once one family member dies, all the other family members go back. So the same way that happens. Now, why do they all go back? Because this guy, they all become yavams to a single woman. This woman's a Yavama, they have a Chi of Yibam, so they all go back. Because that's Allah we said in our Mishnah. So why do we say it's any different by two partners of a field? You have one field, same way one woman could bring four men home. Why can't one field bring, uh, bring two men home? Says the Gemara Hasam over there, Kol Chad Vechad Karina Bayishta. She's called a wife to each and every one. Hachabud over here, Kol Chad Vechad, like Karina Bayishta. It's not called his vineyard. They're still considered partners on the vineyard. You need to have, each one has a full-fledged connection to bring her in as a wife. And by the field, um, that, uh, that's not true. Let's do one more step over here. Because we're running late. Rav Nachman Bayishta Gamar, Rav says, B'mavrech Ilan Biyarak. We can even give a case where a person grafts a, a, a tree to a plant. Now a plant has no chi of arla. And this is actually um, uh, learned out from the following Tana. If you graft a tree onto a plant, now there's a machlekes whether you're allowed to graft it, whether it's going to be considered a right uh, client. So if you hold it's okay, this could not be a case. However, if you hold it's if you hold it's forbidden, then uh, and, it's, and it's considered two species, then um, you would not be sent back from battle. Okay, we'll hold it here, Bezin, tomorrow on Arab Shabbos. We'll pick up from here. Have a wonderful evening.